You're listening to the Central City Assembly podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for Jesus. So enjoy this episode and may you be filled with the love of God the Father. Morning, church family. How's everybody? Doing good? How many of you feel like it's summer already? I feel like it's summer already. And there's something about Memorial Day, which is tomorrow, happy Memorial Day, that just makes summer feel even more like it's here, right? Um, Planning vacations, hanging outside if it's not 100 degrees outside. Um, But we just want to say thank you for for being here with us, for committing to to spending your summer with us. Not that you can't go on vacation and those kinds of, please go on vacation. Um, But we just thank you that, that you're here with us this morning. And we're in our second week of our Summer Psalms mixtape series where we're exploring uh, a playlist or uh, a mixtape if you will of songs from the book of psalms called the songs of ascent the songs of ascent psalms 120 to 134 they're a group of songs that were sung by jewish um, travelers as they were traveling from their hometown up to jerusalem to observe to, and celebrate three annual festivals that they usually went to jerusalem to celebrate uh, for, for Americans, the, the closest thing we have is to maybe travel across the state or across the country to celebrate Christmas with grandma and grandma, grandma or grandpa or something like that, right? Um, and so the, the Psalms of Ascent are like our modern day road trip playlist, right? Because every road trip needs an epic playlist, right? All the time, music, we need it. Uh, but their purpose, these Psalms, they weren't just for entertainment, Uh, But to anchor the hearts of those who are traveling and singing these songs, anchor their hearts to their purpose for traveling, to help them set their hearts and their minds on God and in remembrance of his love and goodness in their lives. And that's the purpose of the Psalms for us too. When, When people were traveling to Jerusalem, they travel from all over Israel and sometimes even further away in other parts of the world. And Jerusalem, if you don't know this, it's built up on a plateau at about 2,500 feet above sea level. And, and, and so if you, everybody, wherever you were coming from, you were traveling up, you were ascending to, to Jerusalem. Uh, but the lowest part of the world um, is actually located in Israel. Do you know what it is? The Dead Sea, right. The Dead Sea is about 14 to 1,500 feet below uh, sea level. So if you're traveling from the Dead Sea area, you have the greatest ascent, the greatest elevation change to travel, some 3,900 feet, which is a lot. Uh, So no matter where you were traveling from, you were making your way up to Jerusalem. And some people, they had greater ascents than others. But not only were travelers physically ascending great distances, but by singing these psalms and setting their hearts and minds on God, they were spiritually ascending in the process as well. Which again, the, that this is the purpose for us in the psalms as well, that we spiritually ascend as we uh, pursue the things that God has for us in this life, the greater things, the higher calling that God has for us. We're spiritually ascending. And what I find really inspiring to think about is, is that Jesus Our Savior sang these same psalms that we're reading today. 
He's saying them out, right? We, we know from the gospel writings that Jesus traveled to Jerusalem to celebrate these festivals on more than one occasion. Um, and in fact, Jesus' final trip to Jerusalem was to celebrate Passover. And he was the Passover lamb. He was going to be crucified. And so as he was traveling to his death, he was singing and celebrating these songs with his friends, with his family as he was traveling. And for Jesus, knowing that he was traveling to Jerusalem to die for the world, he probably found great solace and comfort and encouragement in singing these psalms that we're looking at today to fulfill his purpose here on earth. And so if, if Jesus leaned into these simple psalms for encouragement and inspiration, isn't that available for us too? Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so let's lean into the Psalms this morning. Let's open up our Bibles uh, to Psalm chapter 128. Let's do the work. Uh, let's open our physical Bibles, our digital Bibles. We will throw scripture on the screen too, but there's something about honoring the word of God by just doing it yourself. Um, so let's open up to Psalm 128 today, right in the middle of your Bible, Psalm 128. And let's see the encouragement that God has for us this morning. Psalm 128, a song of ascents, verse 1, says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. And so the title of today's message is The Good Life. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the encouragement that you have for us. God, we thank you that already just through being in your presence, worshiping you, singing praises to you, magnifying you, God, you've already begun encouraging us, lifting our spirits helping us to see that there is hope, there is still good in this world. And God, I pray that as we lean into this psalm, you just bring greater encouragement. Go wherever we are today, and we're all coming from different places. We're all ascending to the same place. But wherever we're coming from, God, I pray that you would meet us where we are, that you would be, bring strength, that you'd bring encouragement, that you'd bring hope. God, so many blessings in this psalm that we're reading about. God, I pray that you would help us to see that you want to bless us, that you care for us deeply. So God, lead us and guide us by your word this morning, your truth. We say these things in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. All right, the good life. Turn to somebody sitting next to you and say, the good life. The good life, right? Not the good place. It's a pretty good show. Um, we're talking about the good life, though, okay? Uh, the good life. And that's what everybody pretty much wants, right? Well, what does that mean then? What does the, the good life mean? Isn't that like a subjective kind of perspective on the world? Well, yes and no. I mean, if you look at TV commercials these days, um, they aren't just selling you their products. They're trying to sell you the good life, right? If you buy this product, then you will have a good life. And when you look at these commercials, the, the good life in all of them pretty much looks exactly the same, right? Um, carefree living, surrounded by family and friends. They also show that. 
uh, eating, drinking, being merry, right? All while sleeping the best night's sleep you can on the best mattress and pillow that money can buy, right? That's the good life. That's what life is all about. Um, and it's all pretty much the same from commercial to commercial. Well, what this psalm does is it actually shows us and holds up an image of what a, a real good life looks like. Because when we talk about the good life, what we actually mean is happiness. Happiness. And at the heart of this psalm, that's what the author is addressing. Right? In verse 2, it says, you shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. That, that's, that's happiness in a nutshell, isn't it? And we read that word blessed, blessed, blessing a few different times in this uh, psalm in, in its various forms. Uh, and when you translate that word for blessed from Hebrew into English, it's actually happy, happy. Twice in a row. Happy, happy. Right? Not just happy, but really happy. Doubly happy. Happy inside and outside. A, a total well-being kind of happiness. The good life. But, but the question is, how do we get there? Do we need to buy some product or, or what, what does that look like? And the answer is found in verse one. It says, blessed or happy, happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. And that really is the key to living the good life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. If we want to live the good, happy, happy life, then we need to learn to walk in God's ways. Okay, but I think the, the first stumbling block that many people encounter in learning how to walk in God's ways is that they don't see God as someone who wants them to be happy. They don't see God as, as someone who wants to bless them. Many people have a view of God as someone who's out to get them, right? Who, who doesn't want them to have fun. Life is all about discipline and rules and laws. And if we follow God, then he's gonna, uh, it's gonna be a hard life. He's gonna take us away from the things that we want to do and, and make us do things that we don't want to do. Right, but where did we get that perspective from? I mean, that's an entire message all by itself. But let me just say this, God is not against you. God is not against you. He is for you. And, and, and God loves you more than you can comprehend. Right? There is no one in this universe. And if there is a multiverse, then there's no one in all the universes who is more for you than God. Right? God wants you to live life and live it abundantly. The kind of life that, that you would look around and say, man, this really is the good life. Which is why the psalm says that the key to that, blessed, Happy, happy, good life is walking in his ways. But again, this, is, this begs the question. And this is one of four questions that we're going to ask and try and answer this morning as we go through this psalm. But the first question is, what does it mean to walk in God's ways? What does that mean? What does that look like? I mean, if you're on a, on a road trip or on a trail and you don't know where you're going, you just follow the person in front of you, right? Just go wherever they go. But, but what does that look like when it, we walk in God's ways? And the key is thinking how he thinks, looking at life the way God looks at life, making decisions through the lens that, that God sees through, perspective. I have a vague memory of talking about perspective with a bunch of people recently. I, anyway. Um, that was our last series, just to let you into that inside joke. Anyways, um, 
And to help us think and see and live like God would have us live, he sent his son Jesus. Because Jesus really is God with skin on, if you've heard that before. Jesus even told his disciples that if you've seen me, then you have seen Father God. So in Jesus, we have this physical, tangible example of what it means to walk in God's ways. When I was in elementary and in junior high, we wore these bracelets on our wrists that said WWJD, which stood for What Would Jesus Do? Did anybody else sport the What Would Jesus Do band? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and though it, you know, it's a fad that's long gone, it's tried to make a recurrence here and there, but failed, it's kind of cliche now, um, but it's still the best way to answer the question, how do we walk in God's ways, right? Well, what would Jesus do? More importantly, what did Jesus do? What did he show us? He's our example, our model. And the answer to that question is really simple. WWJD? Well, the answer is L-O-V-E. Love. It's that simple. Jesus said it this way. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40, he said, um, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And Jesus really was the, the perfect model of loving God and loving people. He's the perfect model of what it means to walk in God's ways. Walking in God's ways simply means living a life of loving God and loving people. We love God first, and then that compels us to love the people around us. And I love that he adds all of life, right? All of the law, all of the prophets depends on loving God and loving others. Even Paul says in 1 Corinthians that if I speak in tongues, if I prophesy, if I have wisdom and all knowledge, if I have faith, but I have not love, then I am nothing, nothing. Right? All of our walk depends on loving God and loving people. In fact, if every single Christian in the entire world committed to simply loving God and loving people, the world would transform for the better. That's all you have to focus on. Everything else falls under that. The answer is so simple, but it's something we have to remind ourselves of every moment of every day. So that's the first question. What does it mean to walk in God's ways? The second is, um, what are the benefits of walking in God's ways? Or, or put in another way, what's going to happen in our lives if we choose to, to live this life of loving God and loving people? Well, there are four things that, four blessings that we can pull from Psalm 128. Four things. And, and the first one is that we're going to see God bless our feelings. He's going to bless our feelings. Feelings are such a huge part of our lives, aren't they? Man, the, the gamut of human emotion is vast, right? Anger, happiness, fear, confidence, sadness, joy, right? And if you're pregnant or you're a four-year-old, you experience all of those like several times throughout the day. And the psalmist says that, that God wants to bless our feelings. In verse 2, look at it. It says, you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. It shall be well with you. 
The Hebrew word for well there, it can mean good, it can mean pleasant, but it's also related to the feelings of joy and happiness. And when we walk in God's ways, he wants to bless our feelings. Even when we're angry, sad, going through a depression, God wants to give us the ability to say in the midst of that, but it is well with my soul. It's well with my soul. And I don't know about you, but I need God's blessings on my feelings. So many times in life, I'll, I'll have a strong feeling that I feel like I need to entertain, that I need to, to follow. Our feelings can do that to us. But I saw a great quote from another pastor the other day, and he, and he said, feelings are meant to be felt, but not followed. Wow. Right? It's okay to feel the feelings that you have, but you don't have to follow them. And in the context of our psalm today, it's God who we follow. And when we follow him, he blesses our feelings. He helps us say in the midst of turmoil and difficulty, it is well with my soul, which then gives us the clarity to say, but I'm not going to follow that feeling, that emotion. I'm going to follow my God instead. God wants to bless our feelings. Second, when we follow in God's ways, he'll bless our finances. Our finances. Right, these two are really big areas of life, aren't they? Feelings and finances. You could probably write a book. You can steal that, that title from me if you want to. Feelings and finances. And everyone in the world is trying to figure these two areas out, right? How do I manage my feelings? How do I manage my finances? If I can do that, I'll live the good life. Right, we have professional counselors for our feelings. We have professional counselors for our finances, and God says that when we follow in his ways, he says he will bless both of those areas. Back in verse 2 again, it says, you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. Essentially, it's saying that your work will work for you when you follow in God's ways. Your labor will be profitable. When you put your hands to do something, it will actually reap something. Good will come from it. How is this possible in following God? Well, when you live a life of, of loving God and loving people, um, simply put, it's impossible to be lazy. When you live a life of truly loving God and loving people, it's impossible to be lazy because you can't show up to work 30 minutes late every single day and say you are loving people well, right? You, you can't let other people carry your slack in life or at work, right, and do only the bare minimum and say that you're loving people well. And when you live a life of loving God and loving people, it impacts everything, everything, including your work. You, I promise you, you'll be more passionate about your work because it's not just about making money anymore. It's about loving people. Right? It's a greater purpose. You'll be more creative, more intentional, more innovative, not just because you're, you're wanting to please man, but you're wanting to honor God with your life. You're wanting to please God. And, and who are the people, generally speaking, I know there are exceptions, but who are the people who generally get the blessings of promotions at work? Right? It's those who work hard, right? Th those who do excellent work and they show promise because an employer would be crazy not to promote those kinds of people, right? And with the promotion often comes the financial blessing. But for followers of Jesus, it starts with loving God and loving people. A really great example of this in the Bible is Daniel from the Old Testament. 
when you think about Daniel, he was really just an average Joe. Um, he wasn't a priest. He, he wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a leader in the church. He was just an everyday person. And really, he was a, he was a prisoner. But while Israel was exiled in, in Babylon, Daniel experienced incredible favor in his life. And it says in Daniel chapter 6, verse 3, we'll throw that up on the screen. You can write it down and read it later. But it says, then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Did you catch it? You see what it said? Daniel, he had a different spirit than everyone else, right? And the way he lived his life of loving God and loving people, it made him a magnet to blessing. And we see that when we read his story. He was granted favor by God through the king of Babylon, giving him favor, giving him responsibility, power, authority. And when you live a life of loving God and loving people, it's going to impact everything and you'll reap blessings on your feelings and on your finances. And then the third thing, the third blessing that is going to come your way is a blessing on our families, on our families. Psalm 128 verse 3, it says, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. And do you hear that blessing, that favor? Right, what's cool with this passage specifically is that um, on our wedding day, um, which was now over 10 years ago, we just celebrated 10 years this past Friday. Woo, yay, we did it, 10 years. Um, but uh, our, on our wedding day, a pastor friend of ours, he, he read this psalm to us as a blessing over us. And when we were pregnant with our second kiddo, Oliver, we were trying to figure out what his name would be. And for some reason, we we're like, let's just watch. We found our wedding video. Let's watch it. And then as our, our pastor friend read verse 3 about uh, the fruitful wife and the children like olive shoots, that sealed the deal for us. And we're like, his name's going to be Oliver. And that, that, so this psalm has very, uh, it's meaningful to Annette and I and our family. Um, and olives and, and olive branches, they carry great significance in ancient times. Right? Olive branches were extended between enemies to show that there was peace between them. In the story of Noah from the Bible, when he released the dove to go find land to, to see if the floodwaters had subsided, what did the dove come back with? An olive branch in its mouth. Right? It was a symbol that God's wrath had been poured out and now there was peace between God and man. But also what's interesting about olive trees is that it can take seven years for an olive tree to produce fruit. Seven years, that's a long time of waiting and patience. That's a lot of care and cultivating to finally get some olives. So let me just talk to the parents real quick. Right? Even when it seems like what you're saying is doing nothing in your child's life, right? they're, they're still struggling with behavior problems, with um, not listening, you having to say the same things over and over and over again. I get it. Okay, but listen, the work that you're doing now the cultivating, the caring, it will produce fruit. I promise you. Parents, hang in there. Okay, hang in there. Most importantly, let's hang in there together, parents, right? Let's get each other's backs, support one another, right? But the blessing will come, the fruit will come. And the same thing is true of the vine. When you cultivate and care for your husband, for your wife, 
when you love God and love them well, there's going to be incredible blessing in your life. I know that when I am loving God well and loving my family well, I, I feel like an incredibly blessed man. Everything else in the world could be falling apart. But if we're loving each other, if we're serving each other, that's all that matters. That's, that's blessing. That's the good life. Right? And how could you not feel blessed when everyone in life and your family is living that way? Loving God, loving people. If everybody's doing that, boom. Right? And, and maybe, maybe you feel like it's too late for that in your family. Maybe you feel like you've messed up as a parent or you've messed up as a spouse for far too long. Maybe your relationship with your kiddos or your spouse, it's strained in some way. Maybe you feel like it's too late. Let me just tell you, it is never too late. Never. Man, if you could hear the stories that I've heard from people within our church family who had strained, they messed up. Like, not just messed up, they messed up in their with their kids, with their spouses. But when they come and tell me, but I started loving God and loving people well. And I reached out to my family and they saw the change in my life. Man, my family was transformed. I promise you, it is not too late. Start today. Loving God, loving people, and God will bless your family. It's his promise. And finally, the, the fourth blessing God gives us when we follow him is a blessing on our futures. The psalmist says in verse 6, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Now, this isn't meant to be taken um, literally like, like a, it's a song, right? It's, it's poetic. Um, it's not saying that you're only going to see your grandchildren, right, your children's children. It's supposed to be hyperbolic, right, that this is a lasting legacy that is going to happen in your life for generations to come. Right? Imagine skipping a stone across the water. It skips a few times, but after it stops, what else happens? These concentric circles start rippling all across the water, and the entire body of water is affected. And that really is what's happening in this passage with all of these blessings. When you choose to follow God and, and live a life of loving him, loving people, it has a ripple effect. Right? We saw it at the beginning. That kind of Im, uh, living or lifestyle impacts you first. Right? Then it impacts what you do with your hands. And then it impacts your home and your family. And then if your family continues walking in God's ways, then their family will be impacted and so on and so on for generations to come. And there will be this continuation of following God and blessing the ripple effect. And that's really, again, how you see the world transformed. If you want to see, if we as the body of Christ want to see the world transformed, it starts with your family. And that's what we see in the story of Abraham. A man who chose to follow in God's ways and to love him and love people. And Abraham's family grew into more families as they followed God together. Then those families turned into a nation. And then the entire world was impacted by that nation through the coming of Jesus, right? The Savior of the world. And the, the, the legacy continues today and hopefully for many more generations of followers, right? God blesses our futures. And so what we do now in following God in his ways, loving him, loving people, I know I'm saying that a lot, but we got to be reminded of it, right? But it's actually building for the future. It's not just about the present, right? It's building for the future for our children and our children's children and so on. And that's kingdom building work.
I, I, I think of my own dad. I'll try not to cry. All right, I think of my own dad. My dad, um, he's a quiet man. He's a big six foot five German, um, but he's very quiet, very subdued. Wasn't very outgoing. Right? He didn't have a, a ton of friends. Not that he couldn't. He was just an introvert like me. It's where I get it from. And, and you might look at his life and say, what has he done for the kingdom of God? The greatest thing he's done for the kingdom of God is pour into his children a faith in Jesus. A faith in Jesus. And if we get a hold of that vision, we will see this world transformed for generations to come. That wasn't even in my notes. I don't know why I said that, but there we go. And, and so it's about building kingdom, right? That's kingdom work. Uh, King David modeled this for us too. King David, he wanted to build the permanent temple of God, but God told him, no, you're not the one. But that didn't stop David. It didn't stop David. Even though he was told no, he started collecting resources from all around the land, supplies, resources for building the temple. And so when his son was born and he became king, and God said, yes, Solomon, you can build the temple, he pretty much had everything for him because of the work his father did before him, the kingdom-building work that he did before him. Right? That's kingdom work. And when we follow in God's ways, we're doing kingdom work, not just for now, but for the future. So God blesses our feelings. He blesses our finances. He blesses our family. He blesses our future. Those are the blessings that we receive. The third question we need to ask is that if God's ways lead to so much blessing, leads to the good life, why don't we always follow his ways? Why don't we choose his paths and his road to travel on? Why do we zig when we're supposed to zag? Right? Why do we choose our own ways rather than God's? I think what it often comes down to is that a lot of times, um, God's ways just don't make sense to us. They don't make sense to us. We start following Jesus and we're excited uh, about the walk that we're on. But then God starts taking us up a narrow, difficult mountain path. And then we're looking across the way and we see all of these people walking this level ground. And we're like, God, why, why aren't we over there? Why are we going up this hill? Why isn't this easier? Right? And we're like, well, why aren't we doing what these other people are doing? Or maybe we start following Jesus, but the road we start going down, it takes us away from our desires, our dreams, our hopes. And we were like, God, why are we going that way and not this way? This isn't the good life that I thought it would be. Okay, but here's what we need to know and remember. Is that yes, we will encounter difficulty in our walks with Jesus. It won't always be easy and comfortable. All right, but hear this. Some of God's greatest blessings lie on the other side of discomfort. Some of God's greatest blessings lie on the other side of discomfort. I mean, think about all the trails up Mount Lemmon. Not all of them are easy. Some of them are difficult and hard. You sweat. You have to deal with insects and the elements and your body aches. But once you reach that vista, it's all worth it. You forget about all of those things, right? Some of God's greatest blessings lie on the other side of discomfort. But we also need to remember this. God knows things that we don't know. Gasp. Right? He knows things that we don't know. He sees around corners. He sees ahead on the trails, things that we cannot see or comprehend. 
And so his difficult switchback or, or detour might seem like it's taking longer to get you to where God wants you to go. But guess what? You will get to where God wants you to go, and it'll be worth it, and it'll be good. But that detour might take you around some danger you didn't know was coming, some evil in your life. And God was protecting you the whole time. And so it takes a lot of humility, a lot of surrender to say, God, I'm going to walk in your ways and not my own. It takes a lot of trust to follow God into a difficult season. And a lot of faith to stick with it, knowing that God is going to bring the good life to you if you just keep walking in his ways. Uh, a principle that I try to live by um, is that God's favor is always better than the world's fairness. God's favor is always better than the world's fairness. Right? Favor is way more valuable to me than fair. Right? And what encourages me is that God is good for favor. He's good for it. He, he holds the treasures of heaven in the palm of his hands, right? And so we can look to God and get his favor, which he's good for, or we can look to the world for its fairness, which it can't supply enough fairness to us, can it? Right? He's got plenty of favor for me, way more favor than the world has fairness. So the final question we need to ask is, well, then what's the secret to walking in God's ways? If, if walking in God's ways isn't always easy, if it's difficult, if we maybe don't see the blessing until later, well, how, how do we keep going? And I know that sounds maybe a little gimmicky. What's the secret to this walk, right? Maybe kind of like a carrot hanging on a stick in front of somebody. Um, but there's truth and there's power to this, and I'll show it to you in just a moment. But when we look back at the beginning of Psalm 128, we find the secret to walking in God's ways. It says, let's bring it up again, verse 1. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. And I believe the secret to walking in God's ways is to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is what propels us forward in following in his ways, his footsteps. And again, I know that that sounds secret, the trick, that sounds kind of gimmicky. But listen to what it says in a different psalm. This is Psalm 25, verse 14. It says... The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. And the Hebrew word for friendship there, it's actually better translated as secret, which doesn't make sense. Friend, well, think of it this way. Think of that close friend that you have who you can tell them anything. They know things. You know things about them that nobody else knows. The secret, right? The, the, the friendship, the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. And so a follow-up classic question then becomes, what does it mean to fear God? Have you ever wondered that? Well, to fear God, I think, means uh, to be in awe of God. To be in awe of God. And we use that word awesome far too much for things that are not actually awesome. Right? That burger was awesome. Okay, maybe. It was probably just really delicious. Maybe not the best word. The, the Hebrew word for, for awesome actually is translated as fear. And that's their understanding of awesome, right? And so the, the, the fear of God, I think, means to be in awe of God. The kind of awe that makes you stop and go, whoa. Right? That, that was kind of chilling what I just experienced, but it was amazing at the same time. Like one thing I miss about living in Texas um, is all the thunderstorms that we would get. 
all of the, the, the rain and the thunder and lightning, right? And when you see lightning flash almost in your backyard and you hear the boom of that thunder, you're like, whoa, right? That could have killed me, but it was pretty spectacular at the same time. It was awesome, right? And, and that's what I think about when I think about uh, the fear of the Lord, it's a humility and awe that leads me to want to worship and praise him and go, whoa, God, you are awesome. You're awesome. Or when I look at the awesomeness of nature, when we look in our backyard and we have the mountains all around us, when I see lightning and I hear thunder or I see the, the crashing waves of the ocean, and then I think, God created all of those awesome things simply with the power of his word. It makes me stop and go, whoa, God, you are awesome. Right? That's the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord, it's intensified even more when we think about our relationship with God. We who are sinful and rebellious, rebellious against God, and yet we're totally loved by him at the same time. The same, that, that God who's powerful enough to direct all of that power in creating the world, direct all of that power as, as wrath towards us, but instead, he just loves totally and completely by sending his son Jesus to live the life we couldn't, to die the death we should have, to rise in victory over sin and death all for our behalf. When I think about that, it causes me to stop and go, whoa, God, you amazing. God, you, you're worthy of praise and adoration. My love back to you, that's the fear of the Lord. And it's that fear of the Lord that is truly the secret to walking in God's ways. It's that fear of the Lord that compels and empowers you to want to love him. He's worthy of all honor and praise. It's that fear of the Lord that compels you to want to love others because you've experienced his awesomeness and you don't want to keep it to yourself. You want others to know how awesome God is, right? So do you want to walk in God's ways? Probably the most important question you need to ask first. If you want to walk in God's ways, then what does that look like for you? Right, do you want to receive the blessings on your feelings, your family, your finances, your future? If yes, then the key to that is the fear of the Lord. Right, start with the fear of the Lord. Start with marveling and, and being overcome at how awesome and incredible God really is. And then you'll have the power, the secret to walking in God's ways. Amen. Hey, Annette, you can come on up. Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God in the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support, and we pray many blessings over you.